Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but I had no idea where to go for answers. So with Running Explained, I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guests this week are Julie Leonard, a.k.a. Strong Body, Strong Mama, and Sarah Highland, a.k.a. Pelvic Floor and More. They're on the show today to talk about their new program called Ready to Run Postpartum. Both are mothers and athletes and professionals who work specifically with the pregnant and postpartum athlete, and their program is designed to help runners specifically return to running after giving birth. In an age where you can find almost any information online, there is still a disturbing lack of information about what it's like to be a pregnant or a postpartum athlete. And that's why I'm so excited to have them on the show to talk about their personal experiences and how they turned their experience into action in their ready to run postpartum program. Sarah and Julie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you made the time. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. So I always like to start, of course, with everybody's story. I want to hear how you became runners, athletes, and then what you led you to the careers that you have where you work with runners and athletes on a regular basis. And we'll just do alphabetical order like we decided. So Julie, let's hear your story. Sure. So for me, I've always loved movement. Movement, fitness has always been part of my life. I just remember being a little kid and spending every summer in the pool, uh, literally like every, every day in the pool, swimming around. I used to build obstacle courses in my backyard. I was just a very active kid. Um, so I started swimming competitively at the age of 10. Um, swimming was my thing. I was very into it. Um, and when you swim at a high level at a young age, they usually tell you, you can't do any other sports, right? Because you don't want to get injured. So this is what I did. Um, swam for over 15 years and, um, you know, went to Olympic trials, uh, did a lot of work cups, um, swam in college. And so running was not really in my life at that time, but I was definitely an athlete. Um, and then I graduated. I retired from swimming um, and I needed something, right, <laughs> coming from all these years of swimming. So I actually was dating this guy who was a triathlete and um, an elite runner who actually he later became my husband. Um, so he was very much into triathlon. So I decided, well, might as well try that. So I started to run then, um, competed a little bit in triathlons for a while. Um, and then did also some running races like, you know, 5K, 10K, half marathon, that kind of thing. Um, just really enjoyed the social aspect at that time. For me, it was very social. I love the races. I love the atmosphere, the cheering. I love being outdoors. Um, so, yeah, running was, you know, part of my life. Um, and then I got pregnant. <laughs> and so when I got pregnant, running took a back step and it just didn't feel comfortable for me to run in my pregnancy. And long story short, had my child had a very traumatic emergency C-section that led to a very difficult postpartum where running was not even in my, on my radar. 
I mean, I was just, it was really difficult. I was a mess emotionally, physically. Um, so that was not in the cards for me at that time. Um, and then I got pregnant again a year later, second child. And then I was put on bed rest for five months where I was told you can't leave your bed, basically. So running again was not in the cards. Fast forward, had my third child, a year postpartum, running came back into my life. Um, just really enjoy running with friends, doing a couple of races here and there. And then the pandemic hit and I decided, well, the gym is closed, so might as well try to run more. And I put this goal in my head that I was going to in a couple of months, I'm going to run faster than I did prior to having kids. So I trained, you know, to do my fastest 5K ever. And I almost did it. Not quite, but almost. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my story with running. I just enjoy movement in general. Love being outdoors. Running is great. My husband is still a runner. So, yeah. And we're going to talk more specifically about the postpartum experiences yeah, that yeah, you both yeah. had. So I mean, we're not we're not glossing over that. Don't worry if you're like, wait, I want to hear about the postpartum. Like, no, 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 that's second. That's that's coming next. So, um, Sarah, tell us about yourself. So I was never the amazing athlete that Julie was, but I always also loved to move, and I was obsessed with running even as a little kid. I was probably a weird, a weird little kid, but I loved track and field in the Olympics. And this was the era of Jackie Joyner Kersey. So I would pretend I grew up on a farm and I would literally have my mom tie me with like stopwatch time as I would sprint to the barn to turn off the cow water. And I would like run with my hands like as straight as possible to pretend that I had the Jackie Joyner Kersey nails, <laughs> like the long curved nails. Okay. So as soon as like I could join a track team in seventh grade, I did. I was awful. I like had it in my head. I was going to do sprints and hurdles, which is like, was not in my future, but I stuck with <laughs> that. And then in eighth grade, my English teacher, her husband coached the cross country team. And she was like, there was like one person on the team. So they didn't have enough people to actually compete. And she was like, why don't you join the cross country team? So I think I literally ran a meet that weekend, like three days later. <laughs> never ran that far in my life. It was like, okay, I'll just run cross country. And I, I loved it. Um, I ran cross country then all the way through high school and indoor and outdoor track and then ran in college as well. Um, for most of college, all three seasons. And then also was not, <laughs> not that great, but I, Julie, I don't think you know this, but I was actually best at like mid distance, like 800 yeah. meter. 400 meter, which was like my primary, but I always liked cross country more because I liked that outdoor like trail running, like so much fun to me. So then I, I also kept running, ran through graduate school, just I trained a little bit with the running team, but just ran like half marathon, 5Ks, just for fun mostly. And ran through moves for field work work, <laughs> moved to New York City, ran in New York City. And then I had a time where I couldn't run because I got really sick. Um, I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 30. And so I kind of found my way back to running as I got healthier. And the same, I got pregnant then because I was healthy enough to be pregnant, which was great. But it did, you know, I had kind of just started back to running any sort of distance when I got pregnant. And 
I was a little nervous about my health. So I just cut the running at that point. Same as Julie had, I had a, a great birth, but a pelvic floor injury with my birth. So I had a third degree tear and prolapse and it took a long time. I also had a lot of postpartum anxiety to heal. And by the time I had really healed to start running again, it was it's probably about 18 months postpartum and I got pregnant at 19 months postpartum with my second. So went straight into a second pregnancy and my son now, he's 21 months. So around the same time, I started to want to get back to running this, this time around. And that's when Julie and I really started talking about how we both kind of wanted something structured for ourselves. And that's kind of led us here. <laughs> well, the best way to, to create something is like, you know, exactly what you need out of it because you needed it, you know, in the time. I mean, that's one of the greatest things about when people who have the experience develop a program or a way of doing something. Cause it's like, no, no, no. Like I know this works because I should have done it this way, or I wish I'd done it this way, or I did it this way. And it really works. So that's, I mean, the kind of rough to have to go through that, but something beautiful comes out of it, which is wonderful. And can I just say, I feel like, so I, and I've said this on another podcast before talking about pregnancy and postpartum running, but I do not have children. I do, I do not, I've not, I've not been pregnant. I do not have children, but I am in my thirties and I feel like most of my female friends have at least one child and just seeing them go through their different pregnancies and the timing of it, as you both alluded to, it's that if you have more than one child, it usually comes back to back, right? So you don't really find a time to get back on your fitness feet. So even if you're done with number one, you know, there's no really for many people time to do a really serious postpartum return to running because you're just planning on getting pregnant again fairly soon. Do you find that's a case for a lot of women? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes people plan or don't plan it that way, but it's like you just kind of come out of the woods, so to speak, <laughs> and then you kind of re-enter. And it can be really challenging because you get that stretch of, you know, healing or deconditioning. And maybe for some people, there's no period of kind of reconnection or rebuilding even between. And so they're just doing back-to-back -back pregnancies, maybe difficult pregnancies and births, and then, you know, kind of come up for air four or five years later and are like, whoa, what the heck just happened? Uh-huh. And this is why it's so important to build a foundation, right? To work on everything we're, we're going to talk about today. This is why it's important. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, for me, I was on bed rest for five months. You know, I didn't walk for five months. So <laughs> trying to come back to running, there was some work that needed to be done first, right? You can't just go back and run. Yeah, not after five months of bed rest and then giving birth. That's going to take more than just, you know, I'll just ease back into it. It'll be fine. You know? <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about your postpartum experiences because I think one of the things, you know, it, it shocks me the more that I spend time in the space working with, I mean, female athletes specifically about how much we don't talk about. And I feel like talking about the postpartum experiences that women have, how different they are, how different they can be from birth to birth with the same woman. Like it is, it is completely, there's no one size fits all, no standard. This is going to be your experience and, you know, expect this and that never happens. And so just, just talk me through, you know, your specific experience, being pregnant, being an athlete, your postpartum experience, especially with multiple pregnancies and how that impacted your return to running. Julie, we'll start with you. 
Yeah. So like I said before, with my first being the emergency C-section, I had a really hard time getting back into fitness. And for me, it was just really the mental aspect. I just was drained. I didn't have the mental energy to put a lot of effort into my fitness because I was, I was on survival mode, right? I was trying to learn how to take care of this little human. So fitness was actually not even on my radar for almost a year. Um, and then I started back um, into fitness and felt better, um, got a little stronger, and then again, got pregnant with my second and was put on bed rest. So obviously could not, again, work on my fitness then. So um, this was actually a, a blessing in disguise because this is when I learned more about mental preparation and how the, you know, the power of the mind, if you will. I trained for birth, um, not physically, but mentally. Um, and did achieve a beautiful V-back, um, but then ended up with a second degree tear. That was pretty painful. That took a while to recover. And then just physically, the recovery from bed rest was just, you know, just walking around the corner was exhausting. So again, fitness was not on my radar for a while. Got pregnant with my third child right off, you know, back to back to back. So um, with this last pregnancy, I was allowed to move. I just wasn't allowed to be... Um, it had to be pretty laid back, you know, because of my high risk pregnancy. So um, I swam and I played with my kids and walked. That's what I did. Uh, felt great, had a beautiful, empowering birth. Um, but then after birth, I had another significant tear that was better this time to recover. But I ended up with urgency incontinence, which is that when you get that strong urge to urinate and you just cannot control it, you gotta go and you gotta go right now. Um, and for me, it was very, it was very hard because it would come at the most random times. You know, for example, I was at Costco one time and you know, you're shopping in the middle of the aisle and suddenly for no reason you have this urge to go and there's no bathroom around. You know what I mean? Like the bathroom is in the back corner of Costco and there's no way I can make it there. And I would just completely lose control over my bladder. And so it was starting to be, um, I didn't want to go out. You know, I didn't want to <laughs> leave my house because I was afraid I was going to have accidents. So this is what got me into pelvic health, really, my, my own struggles, um, seeking answers for myself. This is when I started to do a lot of research, um, became certified in pre and postnatal, um, also seeked a mentor in pelvic health. So I flew to Florida, I met with this mentor, um, learned a whole lot of things. She made me feel like I was actually normal because before that I felt like I was the only person in the world dealing with this because some doctors had told me that it's only old people that have this, which is not, by the way. Um, urgency incontinence is actually really, really, really frequent. Um, so anyways, I, she gave me hope. She, she gave me hope that I actually could take care of this, that by making little changes, uh, behavior changes and working on relaxing my pelvic floor muscles and things like that, that things would get better. And it did. Um, so I, I did get back into fitness, but again, it was a slow process and that third postpartum, um, started running probably around a year and a half postpartum. And then again, ramped up by running when the pandemic hit um, and, you know, ran almost a PR, like seconds away from my 5K PR. So it's definitely possible to get back into a 
fitness level that you were prior to, even after everything I went through, even after bed rest, I still ran, you know, very close to my 5k PR. So yeah, I definitely feel like that fear. I mean, I feel it with just athletes who are afraid to take a normal rest day or like a couple extra rest days, but the fear of that loss of fitness when it comes to just being out of the game, if you will, whether it's with bed rest or just being pregnant and then have, you know, taking care of your new tiny human. And that kind of takes all of your time and energy. You know, the fear of the loss of fitness is a really real thing that we should acknowledge, but to everybody who's listening, you can come back even faster and stronger. It just takes some time and patience and consistency. And I'm really glad that you brought up your story specifically about urgency and continence. It's funny. The other day I was watching Bob's Burgers, the cartoon, <laughs> and one of their long running kind of jokes in every episode is that mo- the mom, Linda, always has to, you know, she pees when she laughs it's often used as humor that like, it's funny when you pee, when you laugh or when you pee a little bit, when you run or you pee a little bit, whenever it is. And it's, um, it's not funny as you just talked about. It's no. not funny at all. It's embarrassing and very, it, it, it is not a funny thing and we shouldn't treat it like it's a punchline. It was, no, I did not find it funny at all when it happened to me in Costco. No, it's, it's not funny. <laughs> You're right. Yes, there's things we can do to make it better. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yes, and you're not stuck with it. Like just you, there may be pelvic floor injuries after birth. You may have a weak pelvic floor. You may have things that you need to do to assist your, you know, incontinence issues. But you're not stuck with it forever. These are things that are addressable. You can deal with them. You're not stuck peeing a little bit when you laugh the rest of your life. Absolutely. (laughs) So Sarah, let's hear, uh, let's hear your story. I think too, with the fear of losing fitness, a lot of times people fear losing some of their identity too, because right, we really identify, like if you're a runner, you're a runner. (laughs) Or if you're an athlete, like you're an athlete and people fear the loss of that with pregnancy and birth. And I mean, I do think obviously our roles change as we become a parent, but those things can still be in that. Like there's room, there's space for all of it. So I try to encourage people like it's okay to grieve changes. Like that's normal. It's okay to to grieve that maybe your body doesn't work quite in the same way that it used to, but it doesn't mean that there's not space or hope for it to still have that role that you love. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'll talk about my postpartum, but it's really one of the reasons I got into doing pelvic floor therapy was because I, I don't like when people get told that they can't do, you know, something because of a change. Like we need to really start telling people that there are, are ways to do what they love to do because it's so important for health in general, mental health, physical health, all of it. But with my birth, with my first pregnancy, I was super active through my whole pregnancy, which I joke now my daughter is like, she's four and she never stops moving. So I just joke that it was like built in. And I worked at a subacute rehab then as an occupational therapist. So I was on my feet all day long, literally up until like the day before I gave birth, I was like seeing patients and moving and exercising. Um, and I had um, a home birth with both of my kiddos. Um, in the first birth, the labor was just really, I mean, it was really long, which is pretty normal for a first birth. Um, and I had the third degree tearing. And because it was a home birth, it wasn't stitched. 
Um, so it, it took a really long time to heal. And I, I actually almost kind of narrowly avoided getting, um, surgery, vaginal surgery to repair the tissue because it extended to, um, the external anal sphincter with the third degree tear. So it was a solid six months of pelvic precautions and it was pretty painful for most of those six months. And so then it took time from that six month point one to really, you know, I was walking and kind of doing stuff, but it was pretty painful to sit evenly, like just sit normally for most of that time. Um, it hurt pretty badly to like sit up in bed and do things for a long time, months. So it was also a slow kind of start back. And I was also coping with postpartum anxiety that at the time I didn't really know. Like, I don't think I realized how severe it was because I was just kind of in the haze. But now as I look back, I'm like, whew, that was brutal. But I just started back slowly, the same as is Julia just walking and kind of regaining momentum. And at the same time, which the injury kind of threw me into the world of pelvic health, I decided that that I would do the training. So my daughter flew all over the country with me and completed pelvic health trainings at, gosh, she was just a little over a year old at that point when I was doing all of the classes, which was awesome. And then when I got pregnant with my son, again, I was like very, very active through my whole pregnancy. We hiked a lot, did lots of gardening, yard work, was moving a lot. Just not, I wasn't back really to feeling comfortable running. And I had a birth without any pelvic floor injury, which I really credit to having learned so much about my body and feeling really empowered, having pelvic floor therapy knowing kind of so many options for birth. And so I didn't have any tearing with that second birth. It exacerbated some of the prolapse symptoms that I had had after the first for a while, but it was just such a faster and easier recovery for me this time around. Um, it just took a little adjusting to get used to two kiddos and then the pandemic. But I, I do think there's so much to be said, like Julie said, for mental preparation and just physical preparation, even if it's your first birth, kind of knowing, even knowing your body before you go into a birthing experience. And I think that is getting, the word is getting out more about the benefits of like knowing your pelvic floor, kind of knowing your birth options. But I hope that everyone knows that they have that option, even if their pelvic floor is functioning really well during pregnancy. And of course, knowing about this in advance, because the friends of mine who I know when I say like, oh, I'm talking to, you know, postpartum experts and they're like, ask about the pelvic floor. Like, what could I have done? And I'm like, you, they didn't tell you this before you had your child. Like, were you not prepared with any of this information? And it's like, no, I wasn't told that these are, I should have been doing things or paying attention to things or that, you know, my abs might, you know, we're, we're going to separate. Like they weren't told kind of the basics of what might happen or how they could best prepare during birth, after birth, what their bodies might experience. So I don't know if, if it's just part taboo and part, we don't want to fear monger or like, where does that come from? Because clearly we, there are things that we do know, but it just feels like the information isn't being, you know, disseminated correctly. I think it's a combination of both. Um, 
And also, you know, providers only have a certain amount of time to spend with with patients. And unfortunately, just they don't have the time to start talking about all these things. Um, or sometimes, frankly, they might not even know, um, you know, as much as a pelvic floor therapist or a pre and postnatal fitness coach. So really, like, this is why I got into this, because it's exactly how I felt. Like, why did nobody told me about urgency incontinence? Nobody told me that this could happen. Um, and I wanted to help other moms prepare better and also recover better. So this is why I got into it. I think we're just really separated too from like birth and postpartum. Like how many of us experienced birth before we birthed? Or like how many of us have looked at our vulva and perineum before we have had a baby? Like it just isn't really ingrained in our culture. It's more like we have a lot of shame of that area of our body. We've really, and it's not bad that, birth is medicalized, but it's really medicalized. So we separate that from our experience. We don't really even speak to our own mothers about birth. So it just gets so separated for us. So before we move on, I just want to say, Sarah, I really appreciate what you said about the identity aspect of any time anybody makes a transition, whether it's, you know, when you go to college or when you, you know, move in with your significant other, or when, when you have children, there is always that identity change and it's completely normal, like you said, to grieve who you were because you're never going to be that person again. It can be a really strange and sad experience to feel like you've lost a part of yourself without having gained another different part. And that's totally okay, but being able to embrace the new identity and however that feels comfortable to you, I feel like it really helps people like I said, make that peace with that transition. Does that resonate with you at all? Or am I just throwing stuff against the wall? <laughs> no, I think it definitely does. And I think as more people speak out about their stories and not to make people fearful about birth, like I consider both my births really happy experiences, even with a pelvic floor injury, but really just so people can see other people go through it and recover and go back to doing those things like running and that it's not an all or nothing type of thing that there there is this middle ground and there's this space to grow and rebuild and I know so much more about my body now like I mean I leaked urine when I ran as a teenager almost every time I raced but I didn't I didn't did I ever tell anyone that no like you know I didn't like I wouldn't have even spoken about it, but like now I don't, but I also know so much more about how my body works. And if I did start leaking urine, I would know that I could tell someone. But let's talk about some of the, the kind of myths and misconceptions about being postpartum and returning to running specifically, because this is a running, you know, themed podcast. And I really appreciate that you both told your stories because you are both clearly very athletic people who've been athletic for most of their lives and yet you had drastically different pregnancies and those and that was all normal so you can be the fittest person in the world and have a very different experience from somebody else whether that's you know being active up until the day you give birth or having to go on bed rest like it's not there's nothing wrong with you if your pregnancy requires something different from what you expected yeah, let me start with one of the one of the biggest myths that I feel like we need to get across is that the green light at six weeks postpartum does not mean that you should go out and run. 
right away. I feel like we, we really need to talk more about this because at six weeks, the tissues are not healed yet. Your body is not healed yet. It is just a generic guidance. And I wish we had more specific guidelines, which we actually do now a little bit with the um, postnatal return to run guidelines that were published in 2019, um, which is a very good starting point. But providers, I, well, first of all, people need to see pelvic floor therapists if they can, right? At six weeks postpartum, we should send everybody to pelvic floor therapy to get checked before they can go out and run. And also, we need to consider core and pelvic floor rehab, diastasis. We need to consider strengthening the body. There are changes that happen through throughout pregnancy, postural changes. You know, you're growing this big belly in front of you. It's changing your center of mass. It's changing how your pelvis is sitting. Um, we need to address these things. If we don't and we just go back and run, you're way more likely to get injured. You're way more likely to end up with a pelvic floor injury down the road. Um, so, and also considering specificity, I guess, of training. So since we're talking about running, you know, training for the impact of running, training single leg balance. I see so many moms in postpartum that can't even stand on one leg. If you can't stand on one leg, how are you going to run? You know, you're going to get injured. So there's a lot of foundational work that needs to be done. Six weeks is just not enough. Um, you know, everybody's different. Now the guidelines recommend about 12 weeks. Some people might be able to start a little bit before that. Some people might take longer, but we need to talk about this so that moms don't think that the green light at six weeks means, okay, I can just put on my shoes and go run now. And also when you're an athlete, if you ran prior, let's say, you know, you were running 10 miles, you tell a runner at six weeks, you're good to go. You can go back to running. She might go out and run five miles because you know what? I used to run 10 miles. So five miles is okay, right? Well, no, actually it's not okay. So there, there needs to be a progression also with the return to run. I think too, the, the other piece of all that is the mental health piece because at six weeks postpartum, like you have to consider how much are you sleeping? Like, why are you wanting to run at that point? Is it a coping? Like if you've been a runner, it's because you probably just love running, but it also it's your coping. So we don't want to tell people, you know, like you can't run necessarily at, you know, at six weeks, you're not going to ever run or don't run. It's more, these are the ways to get back to running so that we don't squash the mental health piece, but that we're kind of considering the whole picture for them. Like how are they feeling like they need to go run five miles at six weeks because their anxiety is sky high? or they're coping with depression, or they just feel that loss of self, or they don't have support. Like those are the things that providers don't really have time to get into. You might, they might hand you a depression screening and you check off a few boxes and hand it back in, but it's not really getting into the in-depth piece of all those, those other components to running too. But I'm really glad you brought up the mental health aspect of this because I feel like I so mental health is kind of a, my thing uh <laughs> another part of my life and the the screenings that we do for people in general are woefully inadequate but especially for postpartum women it's like are you actively suicidal do you, are you actively experiencing psychosis no okay you must be fine then so many people use running as a mental health coping tool just part of their life so 
how do you help broadly assist women with the mental health aspects of running when they cannot yet return to running? Assuming that they just use running just to kind of even themselves out. And then they've been really looking forward to getting back to it, but they can't get back to it yet. What would you suggest for them? We'll tackle this. I think this is the important part of individualizing the exercise, right? So if you have a runner, the plan should reflect that they want to run, even the evaluation, right? So I'm going to evaluate them pelvic floor therapy wise laying, but I better also be checking them in standing because what do they want to get back to? Standing. And we want that plan to build to those things that Julie was talking about, balance, single leg, impact, reciprocation, you know, thoracic mobility. Like if they see that the plan is moving that direction, I think that helps a lot. Like if they know that you have said your goal is running, that's what our goal is. And this is how we're going to get there. Not don't run, do these exercises on your back that you don't get how they connect at all to running. And maybe you have to start with some of those, but they know why. Like, this is why you're starting here. This is where you'll build to. This is where you'll go to from there. And and that gets you back to running and not just running for a few weeks where you're going to be injured, but like running long-term. Like we're looking big picture. You don't want to just run, you know, and get an injury in a few weeks. Like we want you running for years. So I think that framing it in that way helps a lot for people. So let's talk about another kind of myth busting, or I don't know, maybe it's a myth or not, that it's not safe to run when you have diastasis recti, that if you have it and you should not run until you've resolved it. What do you have to say about that? I think that creates a lot of fear. Um, That kind of messaging creates a lot of fear. You, You can run with a diastasis recti. You definitely can run. There are some foundation work that you should be doing and continue to do, but you can definitely run with diastasis. Sarah, do you want to talk about coning and firmness? Yeah, I mean, I have diastasis. (laughs) And I run. I mean, I think we kind of know that running probably doesn't increase intra-abdominal pressure that much. So, you know, in that regard, is it likely to cause a lot of coning that's really firm and stretching? Probably not. The fear-based messaging around around diastasis is so prevalent, again, like that we're telling people not to do something and then they're afraid to move. And like, what is worse than being afraid to move? Like, how do you even care for a child if you cannot twist, you cannot bend, you don't think you can lift? Like, how, you know, how do you live life like that? So I think, yes, it's good to know about your body. It's good to know how your abdominal wall is functioning. And it's good to know how to, to work those muscles, but you have to progressively load it. You have to get back to movement because it won't heal if you're not. Something, I mean, every physical therapist I've ever talked to, and it's like, no, if you, if you do nothing, that's worse. Like you have to do something. Right. If you do nothing, it just gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And we see this all the time with, if you just rest your injury or with people who are getting older and their balance becomes less stable and they start moving less and then they become more unstable. Like it's just this really terrible slippery slope and you end up in a way worse situation by doing nothing than if you'd done something, even if it was something that may have caused you anxiety to do, right? Because we don't want to be injured, of course, but something is better than nothing in most situations. 
Absolutely. I mean, that that's how you get stronger. You have to, you know, overload the body a little bit. You have to stress the body to get stronger. That's part of the process. And with diastasis, you know, you, you have to pick exercises that are challenging enough to make changes, but not too much that is creating more damage, right? So and we need to keep progressing. We can't just stay on our backs, like Sarah was saying earlier. We have to progress, especially if they have a goal of returning to running. We need to get them upright and learning how to manage intraabdominal pressure is, is a really good skill. Um, and then learning how to manage impact, you know, but return to run. So we are going to talk about your ready to run program in just a minute, but I do want to say, and I say this with all injury and kind of the, how running goes, and you were saying this too, one run is probably not going to be the thing that causes the injury or the issue. The very first run you do, if you go out on a five mile run, your very first postpartum run, like that probably won't be the run that causes you problems. It's when you continue to do it, that you are going to find yourself in trouble, whether weeks or months down the road. I do know there was a, an elite runner. I think it may have been Kara Goucher's story where she felt pressure to return to racing postpartum, like really early, like four months after giving birth, she was back training for an elite race. And she said later, I genuinely think that returning so early caused me injuries down the road. So it may not be something that you experience like that night, but returning too early, not listening to our bodies, not giving our bodies the time that they need to recover will eventually bite you in the butt if you don't, <laughs> if you don't give yourself time to heal. So that's always the thing I like to say. It doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen eventually if you don't correct what you're doing. And, and also, usually it doesn't feel very good. For a lot of people that come to us, it, they just don't feel right. Something is off, right? Because the body is not healed yet. The body is not strong enough yet. Do you find that, the, you know, a lot of women kind of ignore that because nothing feels right? Like, do they think like, oh, this is just how it's supposed to feel. Things feel weird now and they ignore it. I think it's a mix. It's a mix. Right, Sarah? You see both, right? Yeah, I, I would say a few runs in for most people, especially if they're having urine leakage or heaviness and dragging. The heaviness and dragging sensation really incites anxiety for people and they'll typically reach out at that point. So let's talk about your ready to run postpartum program, which you kind of alluded to the things that you talk about, which I'll be honest, sound like things that all runners could benefit from, not just postpartum women. But um, tell me, you know, the basics of the program, how it's structured and what it covers. And yeah, just just talk about it. So basically, Sarah and I wanted to create this program. We wanted to create a program that takes into consideration the postpartum body, because like we've talked about, there are special considerations. So we wanted to consider the core pelvic health. Um, we wanted to be to have a program that's supportive of the postpartum body, but also very thoughtful in the way we progress things, considering running. Um, we wanted education and empowerment because education is really important for us to for people to understand their, 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 their postpartum body and feel empowered to know when to modify or how to modify it to make an exercise work for them. Because we, this is how they're gonna get better, right? We want them to feel empowered. They can eventually do this on their own and, and to get back to running, to know I'm gonna get there. I just know, I know what to look for in my body. I know that I need to modify here and there. I'm gonna tweak this. I can still, you know, they, they can still run. If they're leaking, don't know what to look for. They don't know how to modify to make it work for them. 
And that's what is that's really empowering for people. So we came up with five main pillars of the program. I'm just going to tell you the pillars and maybe we can discuss a little bit more, but we go through different phases. The first phase is a deep core connection because in early postpartum, we want to uh, work on the deep core connection, breathing, kind of that reconnecting piece, reflexive core. Um, then we want to work on mobility because throughout pregnancy, there's a lot of changes. A lot of times we're losing a lot of thoracic mobility, which is important in running. Um, so working on releasing tension in the body so that you can move better, you can feel better, less likely to get injured. The third pillar is a strong body, meaning whole body strength. We need to rebuild strength from the feet up, and then we add single leg strength, right? Because running is single leg impact activity, right? So we need to train that. After doing that, then we start to introduce the impact. That's our fifth pillar, managing impact. Learning breath strategies to minimize pelvic floor symptoms, learning how to position your body to minimize pelvic floor symptoms, um, and just increasing the impact to eventually get back to running. So those are the main pillars. And we, we also recommend, you know, we offer walking suggestions throughout the program that are building up towards at the end, getting back on your feet and running. Sorry, want to add anything? Yeah, there's 10 weeks to the, the program is 10 weeks of the exercises, but the the weeks can be repeated so the person could modify it as they need. So if they need to repeat week one and two, you know, three times, that's fine. It's just kind of progress at, at your own pace. And as you feel that you've mastered that level and there is a sample progressive return to run after that completion of that strength building component too. Right. And I did all 10 weeks of exercise of the exercises too. So I actually worked the program as we were building it to test it because when we started to think about it, we were deciding, okay, who are we going to build this program? You know, who is it for? And I was like, it should just be for someone like me that's coming pretty fresh, you know, out of a pregnancy and birth and had run, but wasn't an elite level runner. And wanted to get back to running again. So that was our test. So clearly it went, the test went well. Um, tell us about your experience. Did you end up repeating any of the weeks or, you know, how did your, as you were kind of being the beta tester for this, how did that inform how you wrote the program? We definitely modified some of the workouts as I went, like we would incorporate maybe more challenge or take out an exercise if we felt like it was repetitive from exercise or adjust the warm up or add in, you know, mobility to incorporate. I didn't repeat any of the weeks. I probably will go back and do kind of week six on because they're actually really challenging workouts. They're, they're not easy workouts. Um, but yeah, I ran nearly 30 minutes straight yesterday. I've been doing slow run walks, um, and just building up more run time. And I'm up to almost 30 minutes of running no pelvic floor symptoms and feeling, I mean, my legs are a little tired, but feeling, I mean, it feels amazing to actually be running that long and feeling really good with it. That's fantastic. Sarah, you know, if you remember, she was talking about her prolapse 
So, you know, this is great. Like she's back running. She's feeling good. She's not leaking. And she has Pelvicogram prolapse, which is another misconception, right? That you can't run with Pelvicogram prolapse. You totally can, right? There's steps that you can take, but Sarah is the proof of it. Like she's doing it. Yeah, I have diastasis in prolapse. <laughs> and you're running. You're running 30 minutes at a time. <laughs> running. That's the that is the real piece of it. I'm running and I feel good and strong running. I don't feel like I'm out there like I'm not the fastest, but that's not the point yet. You know, you can build mm-hmm. intensity after you get some of this other stuff. And I, I've I've definitely talked about this with some of the runners before. It's that we all have this little voice inside of us that tells us when something doesn't feel right. And we tend to ignore that little voice far more often than we should. So I feel like anybody who's kind of muscled their way through a run, whether it's injury or it's postpartum too early or for whatever reason that they knew in the back of their mind they shouldn't have been running, like that's not a great place to be. And it sounds like, you know, doing a program like yours, like a a serious, thoughtful, dedicated return to becoming fitter, stronger, and more comfortable in your postpartum body, you know, you can return to running where that little voice doesn't pipe up and say, are you sure you should be doing this? This doesn't feel right. Because that's the worst voice in the world to hear sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's our hope that it's going to help a lot of people get back to what they love to do. We want people to get back to running. We love running, you know? So what is what is the core connection? That's how I, I, I read that before and I'm like, what does that mean? The first week you focus on your core connection. Tell me what that means. What do people do? Oh gosh, we could talk about this for hours. But um, core connection simply means that, well, first of all, your core is a lot more than your six pack, right? Your core is, we call it the canister because it has a top, which is your diaphragm, a bottom, your pelvic floor, your abs in the front and your back muscles in the back. And we just want to work on the whole system. They all work together. We just want to make sure that you have connection to your breath and pelvic floor. Um, as you inhale, your pelvic floor should relax. Your, your ribs expand. Your breath goes 360 degrees. And as you exhale, your pelvic floor is going to gently lift and your deep abdominals are going to engage. And we just need a little bit of help in early postpartum, especially to sort of bring back that connection to these muscles and coordinate our breath to our deep core engagement. It's really like a neuromuscular retraining when we think of it from like a rehab perspective. So it's just getting the the body back on board with the, the brain. It's just rebuilding that, you know, our abdominals the whole abdominal wall, not just the six pack or the lineal, but like it sustains some pretty serious stretch from a pregnancy and everyone. So it's, and then there's also a baby and lots of other stuff in between the space, everything gets scrunched. So it's just getting that reconnection with the, with the system. Right. And it's really the first step. Like it's important to do it. This is the foundation work. And then you strengthen the body. I'm glad that you brought up what the core entails because you're right. A lot of people think when, you know, when you say, oh, you should, you know, do core work, they think, oh, I'll go do some crunches. And it's like, that is the tip of the iceberg. But when you're talking about core strength, it is so much more than, like you said, just your six pack. I had Dr. Carrie Pagliano on an earlier episode 
And we were talking about the pelvic floor and as the bottom of your core actually is an impact absorber for when you do run. So when your pelvic floor is injured or weak or overactive, it can actually mess with your body's ability to absorb the impact of running. Do you want to talk about that at all? Because that is really cool. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah. That's your thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's sort of the gateway, right? The pelvic floor is the impact travels up your leg to the pelvic floor. And so sometimes the pelvic floor is sort of the window into maybe a trouble spot with the core because it's the first area that's getting that impact. And so if you're not managing it well there, the pelvic floor might just be the scapegoat for the real issue, which might be that you're not getting good diaphragm excursion or, you know, you don't have good thoracic mobility because you just went through pregnancy. And so I think sometimes we just hyper-focus in on the pelvic floor, but it just might be the window into the the rest of the system for us. So it's it's nice in that way because sometimes people will come to me for pelvic floor therapy because they're leaking when they're running and we can address lots of other things because the pelvic floor is just showing us <laughs> the spotlight for all the other stuff. So how do you help women differentiate between just normal postpartum, my body is healing versus this is something that I need to address with some dedicated work? I think honestly, anyone that's been pregnant probably should do a little bit of (laughs) rehab work just because even with the easiest, most active pregnancy and birth, if you're having a vaginal birth, your pelvic floor is stretching two to three times its length. Like what other muscle in the body does that, that you don't get rehab. If you're having a C-section birth, you've just undergone major abdominal surgery. No other surgery do we not, of that volume, do we not get some sort of rehab for. So I think, you know, everyone should at least get an evaluation to make sure postpartum and just get some education on what they can do to optimize healing. Like, why, why should we drag it out? Why should we feel, have lots of aches and pains in postpartum when we could avoid it? And ideally we do that even in pregnancy, we would before, and even before we're pregnant, like, you know, like kind of know what the normal is, but especially even during pregnancy, like we should be planning for that postpartum and then have that postpartum visit even set up. It sounds like this program is actually just good, like you said, kind of for for all postpartum women and not just runners or other athletes. What In what other world would we not rehab that if it were anything else but pregnancy and birth? So um, yeah, this sounds, I mean, I'm, I'm not pregnant. I'm like, I bet I could probably benefit from <laughs> ready to run postpartum. I could always work on my core and my single leg strength. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, mean, I think most runners could. So you talked about how the, the workouts are challenging. So clearly the, the program you've designed, you said you can make recommendations for things like walking and other movement, but the, the core, <laughs> if you will, of the program are basically physical therapy exercises. It sounds like, can you describe, you know, times per week or the, the length? of each session would be? Because I know that people are really pressed for time when they have a new one, new little one on their hands. Yeah. So we try to design the program with the new mom in mind so that we know you don't have a whole lot of time. So the workout should take about 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes in the beginning as you get used to the exercises. Um, There are three workouts a week, so it's very doable. We do recommend walking every single day. There's a different amount of time that progress. Um, it's not, you know, you have to do it, but it's what we recommend. 
So three workouts a week for 10 weeks. And then we have an eight week return to run progression that will, you know, you start with intervals, you know, one minute walk, one minute run, you know, and it goes up from there. At the end of the eight weeks, we have a 30 you know, minute run program. Obviously, depending on your background, you might want to adjust it a little bit, but that's the, the main core of the program. Yeah. Could you start it kind of as soon as you're home from the hospital, like in kind of cleared for regular physical activity, like normal walking? Would that be an appropriate time to start? Because the running doesn't come until much later is what it sounds like. You can start start as early as six weeks postpartum when you have the clearance from your medical provider. Because like the like we said, the first two weeks are gentle reconnection exercises that anybody can benefit, really. Um, so yeah, six weeks, a great time, but you know what, if you're six months postpartum, six years postpartum, and you want to return to running, it's still okay to do, you know, we can all benefit from a program like this. Yeah. Something, um, I think it was, I think it was Carrie said, he's like, once, once you're postpartum, you're postpartum forever. Like you can, (laughs) you know, there's, if you, if you've given birth, there's never a time when you are not going to have a postpartum body for people who have may still have issues core issues, you know, DR issues, leaking issues, like you don't have to have recently given birth to go through a program or some sort of rehab like this. So like, don't think you've missed the window. If, if you're experiencing an issue like this now, it's now is the time to deal with it. It doesn't matter when you actually gave birth. Right. And you can make improvements years down the road. You know, it doesn't mean that because you didn't do it right away that you're not going to see improvements. You can definitely get better years down the road. I was going to say that our brain relearns patterns. So we, you know, a lot of times we'll see people like 10 years postpartum, they still have the postures that they develop during pregnancy, but we know that our brain can learn new things. And so it's that neuro re-education that you learn a new pattern. You can, you can repattern your movements to get out of that kind of stuck pregnancy posture that you might've had since 10 years ago. <laughs> And I feel like the neuromuscular connection of how you're brought, like that is one of the coolest things. And I feel like I need to do a whole other episode just on that. But you're right. I mean, people feel like literally the postures they adopt sometimes feel permanent and we don't, we don't give our brains enough credit for being so plastic. We can literally retrain our bodies to do many different things. It just takes that time and that patience to make it a permanent change or a a mostly permanent change. (laughs) Well, I am so excited that you, and this is this is a first for me, so thank you both, have decided to give listeners of this episode a 20% off to the Ready to Run postpartum program using the code RUNNINGEXPLAINED20, and all this information will be in the show notes. You can go right to their website and register for it. And you've launched, right? You launched last week? That's right. It's and live. how's it going? <laughs> It's good. People are doing it. We got some really good feedback so far. So we're excited. We're just excited to get to see people get stronger and hitting the trails again. You know, this is fantastic. I mean, I think programs like this are so necessary and it kind of why I started my running explained account is because I, there are so few like concrete evidence-based resources for not that postpartum is a simple problem, but like we have the information. We just need to get it out into the world and it will benefit so many people. Like you're not talking about a rare disease. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of women every year who are giving birth and having postpartum bodies that need attention, rehab, getting back to feeling like themselves in their own skin. So thank you for, t- thank you for taking the time to create a program like this. 
You're welcome. It's been uh, it's been quite the ride in a, the middle of a pandemic and homeschooling homeschooling three children, but we did it. We did it. Yes, slowly but surely. In probably one million texts back and forth later, we have a program. <laughs> so let me add the one thing. So what's the method? Is this like a PDF or some sort of online course? What does this look like once they go ahead and register? So everything is on a members only portal. So it is all hosted on my website and they just sign in and everything is there. There's, you know, educational videos. It's, it's super well organized. It flows really easily. We got, of course, there's PDFs. Everything is linked. You can follow along the workouts or you can uh, click on each individual exercises. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. <laughs> you know, I might have to go and uh, take a look myself because being somebody who works with athletes, none of my athletes are currently pregnant, but I'm sure one of them will be at some point or come to me postpartum. So as a, as a coach, I think one, knowing where our expertise ends and it's time to bring in a professional is really, really, really important, but also educating ourselves to the best of our ability because like I said, like postpartum women are not some rare creature. Like they walk among us. <laughs> like, most of my friends are postpartum and I want to be able to help them. So this is very exciting. So again, 20% off with Running Explained 20. And let's hear about where we can find, follow, and get in touch with you on your preferred channels, websites. Sure, I'll go ahead. Um, so you can find me at Strong Body, Strong Mama. So I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok. Um, having a lot of fun on TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Okay. How, yeah. Are you? I'm, I'm like. I'm afraid of TikTok. I'm like. Oh my god. I should be on TikTok, but I don't. No. I don't know how to do it. TikTok is <laughs> no. TikTok is fun. TikTok is a lot of fun. There's there's a lot of people on there. Um. So yeah, both of those, and then my website www.strongbodystrongma.com. Yep, and I'm on Instagram. A technical failure, but. I do my best. It's at Pelvic Floor and More. And then my website is www.pelvicfloorandmore.com. And I will make sure everything is linked in the show notes. And both their accounts on Instagram are fantastic. I know because I follow them and you listeners should follow them as well. And not just postpartum. I mean, I think that just the more that we know about our bodies, whether or not we are ever planning on having children, the better. I mean, knowledge is power. Like that's the whole point of this. The more we know, the better off we are. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being here. And I hope to see you around on Instagram very soon. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find me on Instagram at running explained or at my website, runningexplained.co. If you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can submit it in my stories every Monday or email me at elizabeth at runningexplained.co. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H at runningexplained.co. Until next time, happy running. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.